podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike, and with me, as always, is Hannah. How are you today? I am wonderful. I'm snugly warm in my amazing Udi with a glass of wine, and we're about to record, so fantastic. Happy place. Uh, would you explain what an Ubi is for our listeners? Udi. 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 Is, is it a pun for hoodie? O-O-D-I-E. So it's hoodie without a H? Um, yeah, I assume so. Okay. I don't know. But I've coveted them for a very long time because they're gigantic. And You've clearly not done a lot of research they're, on they're them. They're basically <laughs> just like a great big duvet that you wear. Um, and one of my extremely good friends just turned up unexpectedly um, and said that she got one for me because she knows I get cold and she thought I'd like it. Would you like to tell people what the theme of your Udi is? It's the Harry Potter one! It is. You've got your it's Gryffindor. Gryffindor. It's a Gryffindor one. Hee <laughs> hee. That's it. Oh, it's the Gryffindor colours as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, it's a Gryffindor yeah. Udi. Wow. Um, I have put a picture of it on our Rewatch Project oh, stories. Yeah. On Is that Instagram? On Yeah, on the stories. Which is at Rewatch Proj, P-R-O-J. Yep. Same as our Twitter. And I shall be wearing it as much as humanly possible. In fact, if I could wear it... To every encounter that I have from here forward, I would. You're going to be like one of these crazy Walmart people, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'll probably even try and wear it in summer. And also in New Zealand, culturally, it's it's quite common for people to go to the supermarket in like their pyjamas. Or yeah. in their wardrobe, in their, 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 um, their bathrobes. Yeah. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to do that, but people do do that. Yeah, no, I'm just saying... <laughs> If you it's not chose... like everyone's going, oh, I'm going down the supermarket and I'll just chuck my pajamas on. It's an option. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so we are back here. This is episode 36 of, uh, Good... of the Rewatch Project. Goodness me. So we'll be, uh, we'll be at 50 in, uh, in five years, <laughs> the rate that we're going. Um, but Hannah, would you like to tell our listeners which episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the show that we are currently uh re-watching on the rewatch project sure um we are on season two episode 16 called afterlife uh the synopsis says as robert gonzalez makes his move coulson must do whatever it takes to protect the future of shield meanwhile sky's journey to control her powers takes a surprising turn when she meets the enigmatic inhuman named lincoln oh, i don't remember a huge amount of this episode but what i do remember is that i think that the person who wrote that doesn't understand the meaning of the word enigmatic <laughs> i'm just gonna throw <laughs> that out there um Hannah's just alluded to Chinese Record versus Spencer, the other podcast that I do, which you can find over at wearepodsyndicate.com, which is Indeed. a podcasting network. Uh, there's Along many with other shows. Myriad there. other podcasts. There is myriad. Um, you've got um, Film Bastards, his film, her movie, The Iron Sequel, The Aforementioned Chinese Record versus Spencer, um, Entertainment Landfill, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so go over there and check that out. And also, as is always the case, we do certainly appreciate feedback over at rewatchprojectpodcast.gmail. 
gmail.com. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so let's w- without further ado, um, I would suggest that we uh, we get straight into well, this. Well, let me just say this is directed by Kevin Hooks. <laughs> Sorry, how unprofessional. I'm so rusty. So unprofessional. Um, he directed the episode The Magical Place from season one. Okay. Um, obviously directs this one and directs one other in a future season. Okay, what TV director, presumably? Oh, very much TV director. And it is written by the titster, Mm -hmm. Craig Titley. Okay, he's a a, uh, staff writer on the show. responsible for Percy Percy Jackson, Harry Potter's nemesis. Yeah, Um, He's a cheap non-union equivalent. Cheaper by the dozen, Scooby-Doo, done some Clone Wars, that kind of thing. Sea Spot Run. I went to the cinema to watch that. Wow, what year was that? 2001. Wow, old enough to know about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, so what we're going to do is we will um, hit the pause on the recording here. Uh, we will watch the episode and then we will report back for our reactions to this, the 16th episode of season two. Should we do this? Bring it on. This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's on Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. Uh, okay, so welcome back, everybody. We are here to uh, get into discussing episode 16 of season two of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely Afterlife. Uh, so, uh, Hannah, as we were saying just uh, off microphone, we're you know moving into the approaching the final stretch of the season. Um, and uh, what were your thoughts on this episode? Um, I really enjoyed it. It's quite nice to get to this point in the season, and I think... I'd have to say, I think I enjoyed it more this time around. I think on an initial watch, there are things that I remember from the first watch, but I think it benefits from knowing where it's going. Yes. So I was able to sort of slip into it a bit more and just enjoy it for what it was. Yeah. Um, And that's not detracting from the episode at all. You don't have to worry about keeping up. Yeah, and and there is less like, oh, what does that mean? And oh, who are they with? And oh, what's yeah. going on there? Because <laughs> and other random Um, but yeah, um, you kind of you know what's happening, so yeah. so you just let it play out. You just you can just, just yeah. you sit back and enjoy um, the show, and that that is a hundred percent to benefit of a rewatch. Yeah. Mm. Um, what about you? I really enjoyed this episode as well. I thought it was just a nice... Um, it took the story forward, but also it, it had elements in its own way. It was a, quite a contained sort of rompy episode. Mm. And I, I think that in some ways what I'm starting to see on this rewatch is that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't want to say point of difference, but that's kind of its its secret source 
is the that USP. they managed to because you know we've talked before about shows like Fringe and the X Files and Buffy, where you know they start off as Adventure of the Week and then they flip between the two and then they inevitably just become a story art driven show. Very much arc driven. It's like. Yeah almost feels a little bit like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of finds this fourth mode where they give themselves over to the fact that it's essentially an ongoing story arc, but they still manage to give you a kind of three-act beginning, middle, and punchline kind of mm. standalone structure to an episode that isn't a standalone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's really nice. Is It doesn't just feel like the season is... A twenty-two is, is a really long story that's been mm. cut up into twenty. Like each episode has its own identity and its own story, but it's still part of a larger whole. And I think that's mm. quite a deft trick. And this episode's a good example of that. I I agree, and I think as the seasons go on, and it's something that um, I'm sure we will remark upon in the later seasons. I liken it to Star Trek Enterprise because you have. It might not be three episodes like Enterprise was, but you have shortened, complete story arcs that finish. It it might not be halfway, even halfway through the season, yeah. um, but they they are very much like, no, this is when we're going to wrap this up, and then we're going to start this yeah. thing. And yeah, like comic books. Mm. And I love that about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's my favourite thing about them. Yeah, yeah. They don't ever make anything prolonged, boring, strung out for the well, sake they, of it. they make the stories the length they need to be. Yeah. They let the the length of the story sort of... The content of the story dictate the length of it, not just the season. But there are so many shows that will eke it out because they know they've got to cover X amount of Oh, episodes. it's like if you... If you think think back to the golden age of the soap opera, you know, like Dallas and Dynasty, mm. Jesus, they would drag stuff out, you mm. know. And and in many ways, those shows, I mean, people talk about, you know, the golden age of TV, you know, and of shows, you know, influential shows like um, Twin Peaks and yeah. The Sopranos and... Uh, Breaking Bad. Twin Peaks had a terrible uh, run of like treading water. Yeah, no, but what I mean though is if, if you look at these shows that are kind of credited with creating, breaking away from the standalone episodes, mm. really though, it come, that type of storytelling ultimately was born out of soap operas. Mm. And, 100%. Um, you know, I mean, if you, like, I'll, I'll never forget, there was, there was this ongoing j- joke on, um, there's a TV show host, in, well, there was a TV show host in the UK called Wogan, Terry Wogan, and he would always sort of riff on um, the soap operas. I remember it was a running joke that there was this, this storyline in Dynasty where um, Crystal Carrington was kidnapped mm. and she was replaced by a woman who'd had plastic surgery that looked like her. Classic <laughs> American soap opera thing. And I swear to God, like... Like Wogan would start every show with, well, Crystal's still not come back. You know, it, and it was just insane how long this storyline was going on for. And I think we kind of, an entire generation of people got programmed by that type of storytelling. Yeah. And I think that that was exacerbated by, by shows like Lost where, you know, you would get, wait an entire season for some kind of resolution and then the season would end with a cliffhanger. Mm. 
you know, and we would, we would, but we'd been programmed to kind of accept that. I mean, you think about this episode in particular, and and I'm jumping way ahead, but but I think it's it it's prescient mm-hmm. to this this point. Um, you think about Fitz and Simmons throughout the episode seem on opposite sides and combative and. You're kind of like and that's happened quite a lot this season. Yeah, well. and and you're very much like, when are they going to come back together? Like it's a bit like Harry and Ron fighting. You know that they're going to come back together and be friends at some point, but like, come on, when's it going to happen? Mm. And then they end the episode with actually they're on the same it's side. It's it's an act, yeah. and yeah, it's all fine. Um, like that is the genius of Agents of Shield. Yeah. You know, they how well they know the characters. Yeah, and and but equally they don't they don't frustrate their audience by going, Oh God, when's it gonna happen? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they just let it happen. Yeah. You know, they they it's know when not to, move to say on. they don't create tension because they absolutely do, but they don't stretch Anything well, out unnecessarily. No, well, they've got enough interesting shit going on that they don't need to. No, exactly. It's like it's like it's it's the the Rainer Grant Ward syndrome. Mm. The kind of like, oh, and we've also got these guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of that kind of thing. Well, should we get into it? Should yeah, we, should absolutely. We um, okay, so we open up with um, Colson um, and a used car salesman, uh, and he's getting the kind of you know the runaround from this guy, um, and, and I like the fact that the it's a little bit like what they do on the CSI shows. You know, like the 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 Caruso taking off his sunglasses. Yeah. The kind of like, oh, you know, detective, um, we've caught the rapist. And he'll be like, ah, well, he's going to, you know, is it crime scene scene of the crime from forgetting Sarah Marshall? Well, he better get used to, he'll get used to being raped where he's going. Prison. You know, that kind <laughs> of, uh, and uh, they like that. To, and that was kind of, a very popular technique at the time on TV. Mm. And I almost feel like S.H.I.E.L.D. parodies that slightly. Yeah. Like the bit where um, the the guy's trying to do that used car salesman thing of, um, you know, slightly emasculating, uh, you know, the put-upon husband, mm. you know, let the tiger out and all that. And then when they steal the car and they go off, the punchline is the tiger's been out for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a David, that's a Caruso kind yeah. of, kind yeah. of line. Um, but they're doing it in this, in a, yeah, we know, <laughs> kind of way. Yeah. Um, we see, <laughs> I refer to the place that Daisy wakes up in, all the way through my notes as Rancho Relaxo, because <laughs> you really just like, and I'm all, I've got notes like, I would love to stay at Rancho Relaxo. <laughs> just You'd like, be <laughs> fucking petrified of the amount of needles that were in your body. But, you know, but um yeah. Listeners, you should see him when he stands on Lego. It's oh, no, wait, that's fine. As long as I don't have Lego sticking out of my body, I'll be okay. Uh, we see, um, we're introduced to Lincoln. Now, it's funny because I joked earlier on about the whole charisma thing. And he comes from a fine tradition of dull white men as potential secondary suitors from all of TV. Like you've got Riley in Buffy is a mm. great example of that. Uh, Byron in Babylon 5. There's always these slightly well-meaning, um, you meant to, you meant, I think you're meant to think, oh, well, you know, after Ward and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, she should settle with him. You know, she's she's had to deal with, like, you know, 
Um, they want the audience to feel like there's potentially a frisson between these two characters. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so he basically, and he, and he keeps sort of almost like negging her. He, the amount of times he was like, oh, did you not know? Or did he not tell you? Or there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm. And I don't think this is intentional. But now, with hindsight, he almost feels like, you know, the, the, the this sort of post-Me Too trope of the nice guy? Mm. You know, how that, that kind of the problematic figure of the nice guy? He almost feels a little bit like he's in that kind of role, in this episode at least. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember, and obviously I won't you know, go into specifics, I can't really remember in specific detail that much where, where his character goes. But I um, know exactly where he goes. But, yeah. Um, the other thing as well about, like, when... Daisy, and I'm going to jump between Daisy and Sky as well because I'm just getting used to it. When she wakes up and, you know, she's obviously had her clothes changed and she's got the needles in. She looks a bit fifth element. Yeah, she does a little bit, actually. One subtext thing that hadn't occurred to me, because we talked about the whole witch hunt thing, the whole Mm. not judging people, the, you know, um, the gay subtext about, you know, people being themselves and all that. One other subtextual element here, I think is running through this episode is women's ownership over their own bodies. Mm. I think there's a subtextual thing about how in patriarchal society, women don't completely own their bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that be um, um, birth control or abortion legislation, Mm. whether that be the male gaze. There's a couple of points in this episode where it feels like that's coming to the surface a little bit. Just to feed into that, when Gonzalez talks about um, Daisy being that thing... Yeah, he can be objectifies her. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I actually quite like that moment because that's the moment that you see that Bobby... She's like, what? Well, Bobby, like, you realise that she's not prejudiced against anyone. She is really after the greater good, whatever that yeah, may be. Yeah, she's not doing it out of feel. She's she's doing it out of a sense of, of misguided loyalty. Yeah, but no, but not even that. I, th- I think the misguided loyalty is fading away. Yeah. She is wanting the the best outcome for S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. um, whatever that may be, whether it's Coulson, Gonzalez, whatever. Um, and the people around her aren't quite there yet but I think the whole male gaze thing feeds into that because she's standing up for female rights and and she's a person she's a shield agent you know she's not that thing but I think it's also interesting that with with Sky whether it's Colson or Gonzalez or Gordon or Lincoln it's all men it's all men who are telling her how she, what she should do with her body, and how she should should control herself. Yeah. And I don't think that that's uh, accidental reading into it. I think that was something that I think would well, have been discussed in the writing of the episodes. Another point on that: um, Did you notice that the only people who get um, spoken to by their first name are men? Yeah. Um, Gonzalez talks about Leo yeah. Fitz. He does say Barbara. No, he doesn't. He does. He, he, he calls Bobby Barbara. Does he? Yeah. Because oh, I, I remember thinking, I, I remember being surprised it. by that because we'd only seen that in flashback in the last episode. Or well, maybe it's his way of, of 
humanising himself because I, I oh, yeah, noticed he's trying to it. Himself. I noticed it with Fitz. I didn't notice it yeah, with yeah. Bobby. It is, I think he's an ingratiation thing. But um, I mean, but yeah. are you talking about this episode? This really? episode, yeah, oh, yeah, right. Because I remember thinking, oh, he's called her that again. Because in the flashback in the, in the yeah, last yeah, episode, yeah. he called her that yeah. as well. But um, but anyway, back at. Rancho Relaxo, we, we learn that Lincoln is her transitioner, as he calls mm. it. Uh, and basically, he says that, you know, what, what she's experiencing is essentially trauma from the fact that thousands of years worth of evolution has essentially happened overnight to her. Yeah. And that these transitioners are there to assist them in dealing with that. Um, we see um, old Eddie, Eddie Olmos. Um, refers. This is where he refers to Sky. We've just watched a Dangerous Days documentary about Blade Runner, and they talk about Eddie and that. So <laughs> Eddie. Mike's, Mike's decided that he's going to call him Eddie. Yeah, from well, now yeah. on. That's what that's what his friends. He's called. Edward. I like to think you are not his friend. <laughs> as much uh, as you would like to be, you're, like, you you're not. not even his stalker, Mike. You lack even the proactivity. He to does make that not happen. know you. Call oh, him Edward. He fucking will. That, I promise you, Eddie. <laughs> so if Eddie refers to Sky as a thing to Bobby, as you mentioned. So he's dehumanising her, basically. Yeah. And, and that's. And I think also, I think just Bobby, on an instinctive level, just doesn't think that's cool. No. You know? Yeah. Um, and we see um, that, um, that Fitzsimmons are, are both looking at Fury's black box. Um, Hunter and Coulson go... Um, to the site of Sky's firefight, so back to the um, the the, the Hulk proof um, cabin, and uh, Coulson says, "I lost her." So that's reinforcing, I think, the um, connection between him and Cal. The fact that they're both these fathers who feel like they've lost their daughter. Mm. Uh, you know, so I think that the um, the mirroring of those two characters is continuing a little bit, but also it's just reminding us about that whole familial thing that was very strong in season one and that they again start to allude to at the end of this episode a little mm. bit um, we see um, back at Rancho Relaxo we see that they're actually in like a mountainous range and Lincoln calls it afterlife mm-hmm. um, and that he, and he, he says that, well, he, he suggests that only Gordon knows where they are and that basically that's a safety thing so they send him off to pick people up and get pizza from Chicago and all that yeah. kind of good stuff yeah. um, but he only he knows and the elders know where on the globe they actually are. But, uh, like, at least, you know, they are on Earth. Yes. Like, you know, because there's there's one point, like, when they talk about afterlife and stuff, you think she's fucking dead. Yeah. And But, no, she, she is alive. She just doesn't know where she is. One thing that I got a vibe from this from, I'm not going to say whether this is right or not, and, again, I can't remember all the specific details of this, was... It feels very almost VR esque, mm. like they're in they're like they're in like a matrix or something. You I know, can't remember either, but I'm pretty sure that's not the case yeah, yeah. here. Well, I don't want to I don't want to say either way. Mm. But um, the other thing that you know what this reminded me of, you know, where he talks about how all the others that are there are kind of um, haven't actually had the pterogenesis. Yeah, that they're hoping that they'll get called, and that they're slightly but jealous that she actually like, did pulled themselves into the lottery and but, they're waiting to be selected. But do you know what it reminds me of from, from another TV show? What? The Trills from Deep Space yeah, Nine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the idea that they they kind of all want this calling. They want to 
you know, be selected uh, and some people are better yeah. than others. And, and it adds yeah. to the culty vibe because it's a yeah. little bit like people who want the, the, is it the, rapt, the rapture. Yeah. You know, this kind of like, um, it gives it a kind of David Koreshi, almost Charles Manson-esque vibe. And mm. I think that what the show's doing, and I think it does this really successfully, is, and I remember this from the first time, is that you are, as the audience member, you are genuinely unsure Mm. about whether she's in a good place or not. Because yeah. Lincoln, I take, I make fun of the actor, but he's he's good in the role and I shouldn't be a dick about he it. He is good in um, the role. And and he plays it. He plays that ambiguity really well mm. um, because it does feel like he's gaslighting her a little bit and like like I say, negging her a little bit. But that And I think that that is also partially there to cut into the episode's theme about um, ma- male power over mm. women a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But, the, but the thing that I think works well about it is that they're deliberately giving you some of the iconography of the cult, of mm. a cult, to make you think, oh, this could be really bad. Mm. But everything that they are saying makes sense. It's really you good. Know? Yeah. And so I think But that, that's also feeding into your paranoia yeah. of, am I just believing the hype? But they're or? not, but there's no moustache twirling as well. No. So it's kind of, I think, I just think that they play that uh, that part quite well. They keep I, the cast I, close I completely it. agree with you because I think... A big paranoia of, you know, the population at large is, you know, in Facebook age, Instagram age, all that kind of stuff. People see all these different opinions and they don't like, obviously you get your ones who just blindly believe whatever they read. But then you get people who like don't know what to believe. So they, they think, is this a good thing? Is mm. it a bad thing? It, like, are, are they telling the truth? Are they not telling the truth? And I think this is probably reflected in that. Yeah, well, it's like belief in certain things almost become, takes on a flavour of mm. religiosity. Yeah. You know, like um, in in the same way that, you know, whether that be, uh, you know, people who believe in UFO, UFOs, um, that it's very, it's a very similar impulse yeah. to people who believe in a god figure, you know. Mm. And um, but yeah, so so we see that the that the others are kind of slightly jealous of her because they want to be chosen, like the aforementioned trills from Star Trek: yep. Space Nine. Yep. Uh, we see um, uh, Gonzalez questioning May. Um, she says that she's dedicated to Shield and Coulson because when he says who, we, we, you know, he, he, and and that she's was, like they're the same thing. Yeah, you know? but that was interesting because. Um, Gonzalez had made that distinction about Fitz and Simmons earlier about how they were um, dedicated to a man rather than Shield, yeah. and then May, she's like damn right, yeah. basically kind of What's the goes well. I'm dedicated to Shield, and she has no idea that he's said that, yeah, or has had that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, she's kind of basically giving him the metaphorical finger without realising. Well, yeah, and, and she's, she's also sort of saying that Coulson is a personification of the true ideology of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Yeah. And, and other things that we've talked about in previous weeks, subtextually, have kind of bubbled to the surface now as actual text. Mm. So, for example, she says to him outright this is a witch hunt. Mm. And that's what you and I have sort of been, talk- we're not alluding to, have just been, you know, pulling out of the text, that, you know, in the, in the last few weeks. Mm. And, um, and, and, and then also one thing that they do, because I think a huge amount of this episode is about uncertainty. Mm. That seems to be the thing, because you've got Daisy's uncertain as to what's going on. 
Um, you've got um, Fitz and Simmons being uncertain about each other, the audience being uncertain about them as well. Mm. Um, and you've got Colson at one point wondering whether um, Gonzalez maybe is right. Mm. Uh, you've got Hunter being uncertain as to whether Colson knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, so it's as though every single character is experiencing uncertainty in the, yeah. in, in this, this episode. And, um, we, and Bobby, she's becoming uncertain as to whether she's back the right horse, yeah. you know, um, on this. And, um, Simmons, um, you know, seems to be softening towards helping Bobby. Yeah, and this is where I say, you know, this is the section where it becomes really clear that there's a bit of a culty vibe over at Rancho Relaxo. Uh, and yeah, and that's that's where you get all that stuff with Lincoln being all like, oh, I thought you knew this, or I thought... And it feels almost a little bit like Harry's first day at Hogwarts. Yeah. You know, when everybody's like, well, don't you know? And it's like, well, how the fuck would they know? Like, you know... But also, Daisy's really keeping her gift to herself like she doesn't she doesn't want to out of her isn't she as well but that's interesting in the sense that as much as lincoln's being super open and i'm here to help you and blah 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 and you know she doesn't fully like relate to it yet she's she's like okay i'm you know you're a nice guy and everything but i'm not telling you everything about myself because yeah. I don't trust you yet. Yeah. And people who I thought were family tried to hunt me down and kill me yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah. Feeling a little bit uh, yeah. a little bit cynical about the world. Um so we see that that Colson basically sort of baits Shield to come and get him and they're trying to you know get the door in with a battering ram. I like the fact that and this always happens in this thing. This is the one slightly heavy handed bit in this episode when um and I always think of that episode of The Simpsons when people do this, where she's like, what's over there? And he's like, oh, we're not allowed to go into the f- forbidden room of mystery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, I've got big notes. I was like, they've got a forbidden room of mystery. <laughs> what that- is your endless fascination with the forbidden room of mystery? <laughs> that, that brown building that no one's allowed <laughs> yeah. in. What's over there? Oh, nothing. It's just the... I mean, why people um, always get... I mean, I know it's for the audience, but I, you could just go, oh, it's... It's, um, it's, it's where the we cleaning the room. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's got toilet paper yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, it's where we keep the shit tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he shows um, her, and this is what I mean about the flirtatious thing, where he's like, uh, you know, uh, I've shown me yours. You show, you know, shit yeah, it's yeah, it's like, oh, as you may call them, the crap coupons. <laughs> yeah, so he shows his power. That's the sexy bit I'm talking about, where he's kind of like... And I said to Mike at the time, basically, he's a human vibrator. Yes, yeah. And yeah. she was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's like, I can see you. Got to have a this. bit more of this, thank you very much. Yep. And um, so Mac talks to Fitz and, and tells... And actually, oh, sorry, um, this is the point where that that under a red arch, yeah. seeing a mountaintop and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and that is... Um, an abiding memory of season two for me. Yes, I, I agree. That imagery is uh... yeah. I like. I mean, it's it's fairly inconsequential in terms of the whole episode. But um, if I was to tell you snapshots in my brain of season two, that would absolutely be one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, I agree. I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Um, 
So, um, so Mac tells uh, talks to Fitz to tell him that Sims has found a way into um, the um, the little black box. Um, we get the uh, the hologram fake out when the shield agents break in, and um, we learn about the elders uh, again. You know, if you don't want your, your place to sound culty, then perhaps don't have people wandering around in robes and elders. Called the elders. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. It's like you're the only like is Kool Aid the only and drink actually, that they have there. Um, it's around this time that Lincoln says about how um, he nearly burned the place down when he was trying to mm. master his um, gift. Didn't we see that in a flashback in a previous episode? Oh, yes. I'm pretty um, sure yeah, we yeah, saw yeah. We're, like we're, a young a boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like I hadn't put two and two together first time round, but but on rewatch, I was yeah. like, "Oh, that must have been Lincoln." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you because you knew that he was his character was going to be yeah. coming down the pike later. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. But it, yeah, I that was one reason I thought, "Oh, a rewatch is kind of good because you could go, yes, that was Lincoln." Yeah, one of the best things about rewatches is when you get something foreshadowed. Yeah. Okay, so the the this, and this is a point in the episode as well where I've got that note about how I think there's a subtext about women not owning their bodies and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so we see Sky's dad. Uh, we see Cal. Is that his name? Cal. Yeah. You see that uh, as they suggested, he has been sort of taken by Gordon, and Gordon's trying to sort of you know keep him at bay. And he's got uh, bloodied hands. Yeah. And, he's, yeah. He's obviously he's not been responding well to his captivity. No. Hunter and Coulson get caught. Despite Colson's sort of assertions that the uh, they've got some backup coming, Simmons. Uh, I, I never think this is the other moment as well. I think this is probably one of the key moments of the entire season, is when Fitz confronts um, <coughs> Simmons, Bobby, and Mac, um, and this is where and obviously he's not really confronting. We learn he's not really mm. confronting uh, um, Simmons. Yeah, but this is where the subtext of really this big middle sort of third of the season becomes completely text where he basically says that he they're they're fearful they're being Mm. fearful they're letting fear guide their actions and he's going to trust yeah and i think that that's the sort of the um oh what's the word i'm looking for um the writers pitching their stall out for 100%. the theme of the season. Yeah, so we see that Simmons sort of pushes Fitz away. And it's funny because I didn't remember this. So when we were watching this episode, what I thought was happening was I thought that she was actually helping them, mm. but that she wanted him to leave because she didn't want him to be part of it. Like she was yeah. wanting to sort of preserve his innocence. So I don't know if it was intentional, but it's like they played it very well because it didn't seem unbelievable because there was a, another secondary a fake secondary character mm. motivation that made sense for her to do that yeah for sure um but we see that the, we learn that the backup is mike peters and that's a classic agents of shield hey you've forgotten about this character mike peterson? Haven't you? mike peterson sorry he was a classic agents of shield haha you've forgotten about this character <laughs> there we go one of the notes i put mike peterson with like Six exclamation marks. <laughs> but I'd totally forgotten about it. But him. the thing that I like about things like this in Shield is that it's not a fan service kind of hey, you like this character, yeah. so we're gonna bring them back. It's it would make sense it, in yeah, this, for him 100%. to be the one. He's the only sort of utility that Colson would have available to him for this. Yeah. So 
I think the, the writers kind of didn't have any choice but to... The thing I love is that the writers don't forget any character. Mm. Like, you know, you forget them as the audience. You go, oh, God, Mike Peterson. Haven't seen him for ages. It's, it's funny as well. Cause but pa- they remember everything. And even the last the last line when Coulson says, we've got to go and see Grant Ward. And it's like, fuck. Oh, yeah, then. Grant and and Rainer as well. Pops yeah, back God. In. But it's funny, though, you mentioned the, sort of the whole him. fans don't forget. They're one of those I always think of. And I think that this is... A really great oh, lesson. I said the writers don't forget. What I mean, though, is that fans don't forget. And if the writers do, the fans will call them out on it. Oh, okay. So, and the example of that that I always think of is Star Trek Nemesis, like the sort of probably the weakest of the Star Trek films, in my mm. opinion, although people have pushed back on that recently. But, um, like, there's, there's this scene where, and, and they talk about it on the commentary, the writers were really pissed off because they got this external director coming who didn't like Star Trek. Like, you get referring to Geordi as an alien when they were God. making the film. It was like, dude, you don't know this shit, do you? Yeah. But there's a scene in the film where Data and Picard are on a planet and they uncover Data, like another Data. Mm. Now, in the show, there's Law, Data's brother. Yeah. So you'd think they'd be like, well, is that Law? But nobody asks that question and it just seems really weird. And it turned out, I remember seeing the film with Dan and Dan was like, why was nobody saying, well, is it Law? Mm. Because that would be an obvious thing to think. And it just it sort of soured the, that point in the film, and we kind of got kicked out of it. And on the commentary, the writer says that they filmed that scene, and the director was like, why have we got this extra ex- exposition? Get rid of it. And the writer was like, dude, the fans will fucking flip because they're going to think this thing. And he's like, oh, he's like, people don't care about that sort of thing. He's like, it's a little detail. People don't care about that. And they were like, uh, mate, they you know, do. No Star Trek fans. You know? yeah. uh, but that was the point where a lot of the audience lost the way in the film yeah. because they were like the characters are being stupid mm. because and, it, and I think that this this kind of reminds me of one of those sort of things mm. but um, but yeah so we see that Raina is uh, in her new sort of Sonic the Hedgehog form is um, is there at the at Rancho Relaxo and uh, we're introduced- Sonic the Hedgehog at Rancho Relaxo <laughs> yeah there you go oh no people know my password now um, <laughs> takes me ages to type that every time I want to access my email um so we see the uh, Deeson Lapman character, the Jiaying? Jiaying. Jiaying. And she says that she will be Sky's guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, because, And she says that really to kind of pacify Sky because she's freaking out a little bit. And you as a viewer know that she's her mother, mm. um, but she doesn't know that yet, obviously. Yeah, and you so. also know that, that strange things must be afoot. Yeah, because... Her. Because you've seen a previous episode where she was hacked to bits. Yeah, and she was the same age. Yeah, like in the past. Yeah, so um, like you don't know how she's here or why or you know the possibility of it. It's yeah. just ridiculous. It, it's a bloody mystery. It is, what is, it is. a bloody mystery. Um, and she she says to Sky, um, "Hey, just you know, give me a few days and we'll see." Um, and, and I think maybe that's another reason why the writers were throwing so many kind of male opinions to sort of soften it. So when this woman offers her guidance, um, she's potentially more receptive to it. Mm. Um, but we see her go to see Cal and she says, it's Daisy, it's our daughter. And she has a sort of like somewhat tender moment with Cal. Well, she does. But then when he says, can I see her? And she just goes, 
No. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, you know, I don't think it would be in her best interests <laughs> at the moment. Well, she doesn't even say that. She just goes, no. Yeah, yeah. E- no. no. Um, I'm going to say no. Uh, then I, I really like the scene between um, old Eddie Olmos and uh, May. Your mate, Eddie. Uh, my boy. When he walks in with the gun and he does that whole little oh, bit. And they slide it across the desk. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Edward James Olmos is never happier than when he's sliding a gun across the table. Honestly, just like, flop your testicles on the fucking oh, they'd desk be huge, and be done they? with it. They would be yeah. like saddlebags. Um, <laughs> and he, Very saddlebags. He, he offers her a seat on the board as well, because basically what he's saying to her is, and again, he's very good at kind of making sense in an insidious kind of way, where he's like, look, we're going to bring Coulson in. Um, so why don't you at least be a voice be in his, his corner? Advocate. Yeah. Mm. Um, and um, then we cut over to um, Hunter and Coulson. One of the things I've noticed as well, but I really, I, and I didn't like him at first when it was first on, but that I like about Nick Blood, who plays Hunter. Hunter's great. He's, and I think I might have said this elsewhere, is he's able to really quickly establish chemistry with any of the cast. Yeah. Like you can drop him down with any of them and it feels like he's in a buddy cop movie mm. with them and yeah. that's really difficult to do because chemistry relies on both people yeah. being compatible but he's just got a real kind of flexibility yeah. of, of that no he's awesome serves the show really well um, but your course says that they need Grant what's Ward he been well. in since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've not know. seen him in anything I don't know I'm wondering whether he's maybe been in British shows because I don't watch any Probab- British TV probably um, yeah. And um, then we see Fitz in the taxi, and, he, and we think that he's left, and it's all very sad. Um, but he's got the real box, and we see that he and has he's a got sandwich, his prosciutto, uh, and, and mozzarella, but, and, and that's and that's a great. This is a central rewatch project thing because I really doubt when I first saw this that I will have remembered the sandwich from that episode in season one. Right. Because we have watched these episodes in, you know, quicker order than those. Mm. And also, um, you know, when you watch something for a podcast, you watch it with a level uh, of attention. Yeah. Uh, And then you talk about it afterwards and then, you know, listen to the podcast or edit the podcast, you know, and you get that it becomes much more entrenched in your memory. Yeah. So I think that one of the things that that says to me is that they kind of respect the fans of the show. Yeah. Um, that that's that the whole episode punchline kind of depends on you remembering a little detail from one episode and a fairly insignificant, relatively insignificant episode from the yeah. first season. It was a kind of adventure of the week one. Um, and I like the fact that the episode ends with a kind of almost, you know, Ocean's Eleven-y kind of ha-ha-ha. Um, gotcha. That's it. It's like you thought you had me, but my thumb was up your bottom the entire time. <laughs> and the and that's what I mean about the, the show's ability to be able to have an episode which really contributes to the sort of mythos and the ongoing storyline of the show, but also giving you an entertaining 45 minutes. And I think a lot of shows that I, you know, in the past have been critical of, you know, your binge TV, Netflix shows... They don't give you that. All you're doing is you're getting a little bit of you're getting a bit of a dopamine hit. Yeah. And you're getting a little you're getting a little bit more information parceled out, you know. Um, and that's it. That's your that's what you that's I the, can remember you saying that about The Walking Dead, and I've not watched it at all, but 
you, I remember you saying once it was like boring, boring, boring. Oh God, cliffhanger! Yep. I need to watch the next episode. It was a trick. It mm. was just it was smoke and mirrors. Yeah, um, and it was it was literally just it was what's in the box. It was what's in the box TV. Yeah, and I just think that that worked for a while. I mean, I, like I always criticise Lost, but in to, to, in Lost's defence, when Lost did it, it was quite a fresh thing, mm. you know, and they did it really well, but. Even within the run of that show, people got sick of it. Mm. You know, there comes a point where you, the audience trusts you to know what's in the box. Yeah. And if you don't, that is a betrayal. Mm. You have broken a social contract with your audience when you do that. Um, I mean, what's in the box might be crap, but... Know what it is, yeah. You know, yeah. People sure. are always going to be disappointed, but uh, okay. So, um, Summer Panna, what were your thoughts on this episode? I would give this episode eight out of ten. Highly recommend. Two thumbs up. Yeah, it was awesome, and I enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, where things go. I'm I'm excited for the episodes to come. We're like five or six away from the end of the season. I know what's to come. It's exciting. Let's go for it. Mm. I think things are going to get crazy. I think Rancho Relaxo is going to become, <laughs> what is it? Rancho Stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rancho Excito. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, okay. Well, I mean, uh, we've, we've ran pretty long, so I'm, I'm going to suggest that we, I don't think we really need to do any spoilers. No, I, I haven't um, got any. You know, we'll just sort of forge forward. But, uh, but yeah, so um, what I'm going to do um, is if you want to bring up the details for the next episode, I'm sure going to remind our gentle listeners how they can reach us. Um, so, um, yeah, actually, another reminder, go over to wearepodsyndicate.com and uh, check out all of the other shows and blogs and videos and all that good stuff over there. Uh, check out the YouTube channel as well. Do a search for Pod Syndicates over there. Find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. We are at rewatchproj, and you can email us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, what have we got next time, Hannah? This is probably my favourite episode of season two. Um, it's called Melinda. Um, it is season two, episode 17. Um, synopsis says, The story of Melinda May's transformation into the cavalry is revealed mm. as she finds herself at a crossroads in the war between Coulson and Gonzalez. Cool. As Sky learns oh God, more, more about her ever. true heritage from Lincoln, the truth will send her in a new direction. Golly. It is directed by Gary A. Brown. Okay. I think a first-time director, maybe, for... uh... Yeah, I haven't had his name before. Um, And it's written by your friend of mine, DJ Doyle. Nice. Cool. Okay. So, um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this one. It's a great episode from what I can remember. And um, I hope it doesn't disappoint me... Second time round. I haven't seen this since I first watched it, and I'm really excited. Well, to I don't watch think we've. Again. I mean, we've we've haven't seen any of these episodes since. No, I know, but we? this one particularly, yeah. I remember quite a lot of yeah. it. So, but, I, but we I'm, we remember we, we both thought that this was like in season one, though. Yeah. Oh so. God, we did like halfway through season one, but um, I'm really excited to see it 
Yeah. Really excited. Yeah, no, cool. Okay, well, we will see you then, guys. Goodbye. Ta-ta. Podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.